This episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast, is brought to you in partnership with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Thermo Fisher's cell therapy processing instruments are designed to help customers transition from process development to commercial manufacturing, utilized as standalone devices or integrated as part of a closed modular process. Thermo Fisher Scientific recommends Gibco CTS DynaSelect Magnetic Separation System, which is a next-gen cell isolation and activation instrument. Gibco CTS Xenon Electroporation System allows customers full control to optimize for a variety of cell types and payloads. And Gibco CTS Rotea Counterflow Centrifugation System is a closed cell processing system supporting a broad range of protocols for cell separation, washing, and concentration. Customers can rely on and streamline their drug development process with Applied Biosystems Qualtrac qPCR and dPCR quality control tools for robust and reliable genetic analysis across various phases of drug development, supported by relevant, compliant documentation. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Erin Harris, and I'm recording this episode with my guest in person at the 2023 PDA Advanced Therapy Medicinal Products Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm very happy to have with me as my guest, PDA's CEO and President, Glenn Wright. Glenn, thank you, and welcome to Cell and Gene, the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Good, good. All right, so first of all, tell us a little bit about PDA. What's its mission, and what can we expect from this conference? Um, yeah, PDA's mission, and, and you know, it's, it's a noble one, and it's to advance pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical, and we cover AMTPs um, in that category, our, our CGTs, um, manufacturing science and regulations so members can serve patients better. And, you know, when we think about serving patients, you know, better science, better manufacturing processes equals serving patients better. And then, uh, you know, from a PDA standpoint, you know, who are we at PDA? Well, we're a nonprofit uh, individual membership organization with over 10,000 members. Um, we're global. Uh, we've got offices in Bethesda, Maryland, and, and Berlin, Germany, and Singapore. Um, and we also have 24 chapters that are, that are global, scattered around the world. Um, we, are all, we are open to all who wish to join PDA, and, and that's really important because we're a very open organization. So, hey, if you're a school teacher and you want to join, we're happy to have you. Um, it's really all of our activities are driven by our members, and, and that's really important. We're a member-driven organization, so what our members need and want to work on, we're excited to be able to allow them to do that. And, and that's really important from our standpoint because being a membership organization, an individual membership organization, it's important that we reflect the views and opinions of our members. You know, I always say that uh, at PDA, it's really important that the voice of PDA, which is independent, is really the voice of our members. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, PDA has been around for about 77 years, and we've always had this philosophy of being the voice of our members. And when we think about PDA, and we think about what they produce or what do they do. Um, you know, PDA has a number of publications that, that a lot of folks may not be familiar with. Um, we've got the PDA Letter. We've got the PDA Journal of Pharmaceutical Science. That's a peer-reviewed uh, journal. Um, we've got our technical reports, which uh, are used throughout the industry. They're also used by regulators. Um, our points to consider documents, which are, again, very technical. And then a lot of folks don't realize that but PDA is a standard-setting organization, so we actually have official standards that, that, we, that we produce. And, um, and then, of course, we've got our books and we've got our surveys. So there's a lot of things that we produce as far as publications from PDA. And, you know, when we think about other things that PDA 
that we do uh, for the industry. You know, we have world-class training. Um, a lot of folks are probably not familiar with the fact that we have a TRI training facility in Bethesda, Maryland. And that's actually got clean rooms and filling lines and laboratories, and so it's really all hands-on. It's, it's right downstairs from our, from our corporate office. Um, you know, another thing we do is we provide a lot of meetings, and so I think about 20 meetings per year globally. But then when you think about our chapters um, and our interest groups that are meeting all the time, we have hundreds and hundreds of meetings that occur every year um, with our members, with industry, to really help them connect, to understand, and to really grow. And so, you know, for, for us at PDA, it's all about the members, it's all about, it's all about growth of our members, and, and we're just really excited about that mission. Good, good. Um, all right, so I want to talk a little bit about you as the new president and CEO. So talk to us a little bit about your professional background and then your specific interest as it applies to cell and gene therapy. Yeah, so my background uh, is really from industry. So I spent 32 years in industry uh, before joining PDA, but I've been a member of PDA for 34 years. So um, really for me, PDA and, and, and my industry experience has really been, been intertwined. Um, I've worked for four major pharmaceutical companies, so Eli Lilly and Company, Pfizer, Amgen, and um, Exolead. And um, in those careers, I've, I've done many different things, uh, from everything from a staff microbiologist to really heading up our global regulatory affairs group and all of those uh, submissions worldwide, which was always a lot of fun. Um, quality head for Italy for all of the uh, manufacturing plants and um, all of the third-party operations there in Italy for a number of years. I'm senior director for manufacturing science and, and technology for uh, some of the some very large uh, uh, parental filling facilities, and that's really all about the science of the manufacturing. So really making sure everything's running running well. And then you know my last uh, role before I actually left industry and retired from Eli Lilly, um, I was in, I was really focused on manufacturing strategy and really bringing together um, all of those things that I had worked for or worked with in the past. So regulatory, quality, uh, manufacturing, supply chain, and really integrating all those globally to really understand you know where should you actually place a facility and and how should you run a facility and how should you make changes to the process and how will that have a ripple effect on your on your things like your supply chain or your registration. So, um, you know, a great career. I really enjoyed it, um, and that's that's been uh, kind of a passion for me. So I always say that pharmaceutical manufacturing is not only work, it is actually my my hobby, and I really just, just love it. Um, you know, so we, you know, when we talk about uh, cell and gene therapy, you know, and my interest in it, um, you know, I've had an interest in this since I was in at the university. I mean, it, it's always been something that you look at uh, many, many years ago and saying, we will get there, and mm -hmm. not knowing exactly what it's going to look like. And you think about the steps we've taken. I mean, people always think that uh, cell and gene therapy, hey, you know, 10 or 15 years. No, it's been going on for decades. Sure. This has been going on for decades. And, you know, I was just looking at some, uh, some old literature, and, you know, it's, it's all the way back in the 80s and the 70s. There's actually some, some work being done on how are we going to, you know, change the genetic, genetic uh, genome of a, a patient to actually get a, a therapeutic response. And so, um, you know, so it's been going on for a long time. I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that we see today and things that I'm really excited about is really these platforms, right? And, and, and platforms that are really changing how we look at cell and gene therapy. And one of the big ones for me is the CAR T-cell mm -hmm. platform. Um, you know, when we think about that particular platform, you know, it took a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, first clinical trials for a pediatric patient, 2012. 
right? And, and that was extremely successful. Um, right. This was one for ALL for uh, B-cell acute uh, lymphoblastic leukemia in, in pediatrics. And um, it was amazing, and it was transformational. So the first patient, uh, Emily Whitehead, um, if you haven't read her story or seen her story, I would suggest you go listen to it. It's um, wonderful. It's just an incredible yeah. story. Um, and you know, you, you, you listen to that story, and here's a patient who really had no, had no um, hope. Mm -hmm. There was no hope for this patient. This patient had went through multiple chemotherapy rounds, um, a young girl, I think she was five or six, um, and you know, and so here she is. Her parents are just, you know, dismayed. And um, and what what do they do? Well, they take her and they get her in a clinical trial, mm -hmm. and she becomes the first recipient of this CAR T cell. Um, and within 28 days, they can't find the cancer. Yeah. You know, and, and so you look at that and you see, I get emotional about this because yeah. it's just so it's incredibly so transformational. Yeah. Um, and so you look at that, but then you realize that that CAR T cell is not a one indication platform. Mm -hmm. This is a wide platform and you know it's being applied now more and more to more and more cam uh, cancers um, treatment and and so you just see that as a platform and and so that's really exciting for me because you know we, we really hadn't had platforms like that in cell and gene therapy and I always kind of go back to uh, my time working on antibodies when antibodies first came out and the first humanized antibody and I think where we were we were sitting there going okay you know everybody's worried about this antibody my gosh what's it going to do to people holy cow and so you think about that first antibody and after that first antibody was approved you know the, the follow-on was that was the platform humanized mm -hmm. antibodies and so now we have literally you know dozens of antibody products um, humanized antibody that treats all kinds of different disease cases. So, you know, I think with any of these ways, the platforms become extremely critical if you're going to see great change. Sure. And um, and so I think in this uh, in this case, the the CAR T cell. You know, the other one that I, I think is really um, exciting, and you know, and, and why I have such an interest. I just love the science. Is the um, nanoparticles, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I would say, hey, these are just really small liposomes, right? Because again, um, liposome, again, uh, that that technology is not new. That technology is very, very old, but it never was approved. And there's always questions about, okay, what will these nanoparticles do in the body? And some great concerns about that, right? Because again, um, they're very foreign. Um, you know, they're going to deliver whatever the side of them to, to some target uh, target cells. And so, you know, you see this kind of coming along, and um, you know, the pandemic, while it was terrible and it was awful, right? Um, the one thing we saw was that this whole platform of nanoparticles has now been pulled forward. Mm -hmm. We think it probably was about 10 years out or, or about five years out. So, you know, we're gonna see the, the wave of CAR T cell, then we're gonna move into the wave of nanoparticles. Well, the pandemic just pulled all that forward. Right. Um, and you have now a clinical trial for nanoparticles of the billions, right? So mm -hmm. billions of patients have received this. Um, and so now we know this is a great vector, and this can really be a platform for how we get things into the cell. And you know now they're working on how you target them to very specific cells, and then the payloads. You know what are the payloads going to be? But just that technology and that platform. You know we're going to see just a huge amount of advancement from that. So you know my personal passion for this area is all because it is transformational. Mm -hmm. It truly. Trans, you know, tr it, it just changes everything for the patient, um, and that, of course, is is extremely exciting for me. Yeah, good. Uh, and we've had um, 
Dr. Carl June on the podcast, and you know we we talk extensively, or he certainly does, of course, about Emily and her story, and just uh, she's 17 or 18 now, and it's just you know life changing. Um, I want to talk a little at the top of the call. We talked a little bit more about PDA the organization, and I wanted to learn a little bit more. We know it's global. We know anyone could be a member. But talk to us a little bit more about the demographics and then how PDA itself is evolving as specifically cell and gene therapy continues to evolve really quite rapidly. Right. So a great question. And and we are seeing shifts in our demographics of PDA. And and we've been seeing this for a while now. And, and you know, it used to be that you had large companies and you had a few small companies, but, but by and large, it was large companies, right? And so we saw our membership really being uh, members from large companies, right? So they were, they were coming from large companies. Um, but, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, as large companies have consolidated and we see all these new small companies being formed, we've actually seen a significant demographic shift to more of these small, mid-sized companies. So if you look at it, it's a little bit, about half and half. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really interesting for us because these small companies are really those extreme innovators. I would call them the disruptors, right? Mm-hmm. They're disrupting the whole industry. And um, when we look at like uh, gene and cell therapy in, in, in particular, you know, I went back and looked at the data right before this podcast. And you know, we have you know, about 1,500 of our members who, which, which identify as significant interest and involvement in, in that space, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's a big shift for us because that's probably shifted over the last 10 years and we're just seeing that continue to grow. So we're definitely seeing changes um, in our demographics as far as gene and cell therapy picks up. We, we just see more and more of that. And, and so it, it's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how you personally think the space has progressed. So since your retirement from Eli Lilly, which we talked about earlier, where you held various high level positions, you know, how has the space progressed? And, but specifically when it comes to quality manufacturing capacity, you know, what do you see the next very small handful of years looking like for cell and gene therapy? It's going to be exciting, frustrating, right. um, challenging. Uh, you know, so so when you think about cell and gene therapy, you realize that a lot, a lot of the manufacturing processes that have been built really haven't been built to scale. How do you scale this model? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, uh, companies are doing it; they're trying it. Um, but you, you know, you think about the science behind the cell and gene therapy products, and what we don't know, and all the things we're learning about them. So, you know, what we're going to see, or what I predict we're going to see, is is a lot more platforms being produced. And when I say platforms, manufacturing platforms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are these are equipment sets. These are how we translate a product into scaling it up or scaling it out because again this is usually um, patient specific and so it's not about I can get a bigger tank and make more no this is how do I get these replications of units in a, in a, in a clean room and how do, how do I do that how do I automate all that um, so you know I think we're gonna see a lot of change in that area um, even today we're seeing change when I go back and I think about the first clean room I went to visit where they were doing cell and gene therapy the CAR T cell 
it was it looked like just a laboratory right mm -hmm. it was it was a laboratory it was all manual operations it was it was a clean hood and a clean room and you know and, and i look at it today and you've got a number of different suppliers supplying these different equipment sets right. and you know we, we've kind of seen this in the farm industry as a whole where you have many suppliers and then all of a sudden you start to see converging of platforms and, and some standardization of platforms. And, you know, I, I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see a lot of that. So, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of an exciting space, um, you know, on the, on the test methods front, right? I mean, the test methods are developing as fast as the products. And so we're learning more. And, um, you know, again, I'll go back to my, uh, a long time ago, my first large molecule made in a million cell culture, um, which was had these glycosylation structures. And, you know, we didn't know what they all did, but there's all these sugars attached to these proteins. And we're sitting there going, how do we, how do we make sure that every batch has the same glycosylation pattern? We don't even have the test methods for this. How are we going to do it? Um, and so, you know, you, you bring that that thought forward to, to cell and gene therapy and you think about how are we going to make sure that we've got the right infected cell and how we're going to do this and how we're going to make sure that this is this is okay and how are we going to check in on the process and and for some of those we probably don't have answers yet mm -hmm. and so we're going to see a huge um, really revolution I think in the actual testing methods that are used for cell and gene therapy we probably will find some of the methods that we have today that we think are incredibly important we're going to realize they're not really that important. Mm. There's these other ones we need to do that are even more important, right? So I think we're going to see a lot of change on that. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, as it applies to the focus of this particular conference, which we know uh, for our listeners who maybe aren't in attendance, it's navigating through CMC challenges is the, the theme of the PDA ATMP conference. So, you know, what are some of the sessions that are addressing that challenge and then, you know, what what do you think will maybe be coming out of those sessions? This this will air after this conference has ended, and so perhaps there's some takeaways that we can offer. Sure, um, you know it's a great conference, right? And mm -hmm. and and it's it's just packed with information, and it really is at the right time at the right place for the industry. You know, it's 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 going to talk about some of these challenges around these complex manufacturing and supply networks that we required. I mean, these are not easy products to manufacture, and they're extremely complex in regards to supply chain. And so, you know, that that's going to be talked about, right? Which is really important. Scaling of production. Again, I always talk about this because it. You know, let's say you got five thousand patients you need to treat, but you can only do this about, uh, let's say, 100 rounds per month, what are you going to do, right? And, and it's a question that I know the regulatory agencies are asking early, mm -hmm. right? They're saying, how, how does this scale? What, you know, so we approve this. How, how do you actually make sure that we can scale this? So, you know, I, I think that's really important. And I think that gets into this whole concept of point of use, point of care, um, manufacturing that the regulators are talking about because really the the manufacturing sites for many of these are moving close to the hospital in the mm -hmm. hospital, right? And and that has a whole nother set of challenges because again, these these traditionally have not been GMP manufacturing sites, right? right. But so so how do you deal with that? And then and then we're going to talk a little bit about raw materials, which again raw materials are very challenging in this space because they're so new. And so, you know, you don't know what you don't know about the raw materials, like we always say. And, and you know, so I think we're going to talk, we're going to talk about that. So, you know, I, I think in this meeting, you're going to have a lot of information about how you get from development 
into clinical and then how do you think about where you're headed in production right in commercial because again those are those are three very different steps in the process and there's a lot of challenges with each of those so i think i think the people that come to the conference the, the attendees i think they'll leave with just a lot of questions a lot of information um so i think it's going to be one of those really great conferences yeah and a really great networking opportunity too to even outside of the sessions too you know, share, pe- share with people what they each other has learned. Um, before we wrap up, just wanted to get some, your final thoughts on PDA, this conference, as well as anything you'd like our listeners to know about the future of cell and gene therapies. Yeah, so one of the things I should have answered earlier and I didn't, but I, I want to talk about it just for a minute, is really, you know, what are some of the specific things we're doing mm-hmm. on cell and gene therapy and PDA? Because again, you know, we're 77 years old this year, so we're continuing to evolve. And I, I have to tell you, we, we've been in this space, working in this space for, for well over a decade, you know, between meetings and discussion groups and task forces, commenting on regulations. Um, you know, in 2020, we actually established our first dedicated regulatory advisory, or excuse me, our advisory board for cell and gene therapy. So that group of really talented experts in the field just focused PDA's activities on what should we be working on. Um, and, and so, you know, we're, we're, we continue to invest a lot in this space. Two conferences this year at PDA on cell and gene therapy. There's the one here. And then I'll be speaking at the one in Japan in July, um, where we're also going to cover a lot of these same topics, but other topics that are specific to the APAC region. Um, you know, some of the things we've been working on, and, and you can find out there, uh, we've got a, a new standard on cryopreservation of cells for use in cell therapies and gene therapies and regenerative medicine. Um, and then we've also got a points to consider on microbial control in ATMP facilities. And then, you know, a lot of other documents actually cross over on aseptic processing. Um, some of the things we're currently working on, so some of the things you'll see are, are a new standard on apheresis collection for cell and gene therapy products, and then uh, plasmid and viral vector control for the production of CGT products, um, raw materials, facilities. So, you know, a lot of things coming, but we're very, very active in this space, um, which is really exciting. And, you know, I think you, you asked me, you know, final comments, final thoughts. And, you know, I think, you know, this is transformational medicine for the patient. And, and I think back to a conference in, in 2015, it was a PD annual meeting where we had um, a gentleman who was a pediatric survivor of, 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 L, of ALL. Um, and we had him speak and talk about this incredibly challenging um, chemotherapy, bone marrow transplant, all the things that happened. And then he didn't know it, but right after him, on the same stage, um, we had uh, the gentleman who was at the time leading um, Novartis's new cell and gene therapy product, the first one to get approved mm-hmm. as CAR T cell, right, right, for AL. And um, and so you know, he talked about the process, and they talked about well, you know, a patient comes in and they get treated, and about 28 days later, we can't find any cancer. And then for most of the patients, or for a lot of the patients, that's it; they're done, right? Mm-hmm. And Seeing the expression on that patient's face of, you know, I went through this incredible ordeal where yeah. it was just, and now for people coming behind me, yeah. it's going in and yeah. getting a transfusion, right? right? Or, you know, getting, you know, not a transfusion, but taking cells out, putting cells in, right? And, right. And that's just incredibly transformative. Much different experience. Yeah, much, much different experience. So, you know, I, I think for me personally and for PDA, I think, you know, we see this space as, as incredibly important. It's transformational. Um, you know, we, we dedicate ourselves to assisting our members, the industry, and the regulators in advancing the science and regulations needed to support 
the incredible wave of innovation that's coming, right? That, that's our goal. That's what we do. Um, you know, as far as the future for cell and gene therapy, it's exciting, it's scary, it's transformational, it's going to be challenging, um, but I have to salute all the individuals that each day wake up and work tirelessly to advance this field. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's just going to be great for the patient. I agree. I agree. And thank you, too, for all you do with PDA. It's just such a wonderful organization, and the work that you do, I, we've, at Cell and Gene, have worked with PDA for, since the onset of Cell and Gene, and it's um, a great partnership and the work you do is tremendous so thank you to you two and your team thanks the, a lot yeah appreciate that absolutely um well that brings us to the end of our podcast so that's that wraps up this episode and uh thank you listeners for listening in from the two, 2023 pda atmp conference and thank you to glenn wright the CEO and president of PDA for your time. Glenn, this was wonderful. Thank you for all of your insight and the time that you shared with me today. Well, thank you. Absolutely. All right, listeners. Well, we will talk to you next time.